0: Hi again and welcome to another episode of Airfields of Dreams. Here we're going to Front Royal, Virginia. Front Royal is a uh, small airstrip. It's located at the north part of the Shenandoah Valley. It's uh, right where the Fort Valley pops up into the valley and separates the Shenandoah into two sections. And and Shenandoah uh, Front Royal is located in the Eastern part that it's um, located at the head right there between the Shenandoah National Park and the uh, the Blue Ridge Mountains, form the Appalachian Trail, and then uh, uh, to the west of there is Ford Valley that goes down about 45 miles. So it's it's literally just right there. As you're flying south in the valley and you see Ford Valley kind of starts up right there, and, and there's a, a notch to your left. That's uh, the South Fork of the Shenandoah on a notch to your right, that's the North Fork, and Front Royal is located right at that notch to your left right there. It's a 3,000 foot uh, paved runway, it's 75 feet wide. It runs east-west, the uh, runways are uh, one zero and 2, 8. It's at uh, 700 foot elevation, and it's 38 degrees 55 minutes north, 78 degrees 15 minutes west. So what other numbers do we have? The gas, uh, uh, of course, gas is going up now with uh, recent events, but gas is relatively low there. It's a good place you might want to go out of your way a little bit to, to gas up. A couple tricks about the gas pump, self-service. The, uh, the grounding strap is very old. It's probably used on, I don't know, one of the Wright Brothers planes or something. Um, you probably uh, have to be innovative to get the grounding strap here to your plane. And the trick to start the uh, self-service pump is once you get your... Uh, Approval. After you run your credit card, uh, in order to start the pump, where the nozzle is, when you take it out, you got to flip that little uh, um, piece of metal that it, that it sits in. You need to flip that up, and that that's actually starts the pump, or else uh, gas won't come out. But that's kind of uh, um, it's pretty easy. I think there's a sign on it that says to flip it up, but if you don't know about it, it might uh, and you don't have any gas coming out of the pump, you'll you'll know why. Pretty straightforward. History. So. The Front Royal Airport started as Stokes Field. It served as a private landing strip for uh, Mr. Aubrey Stokes and his three brothers. The Stokes are uh, really, really associated with uh, um, Front Royal uh, history going back a a long time. It originally had two uh, separate uh, grass runways. Uh, One was east-west and one was north-south. The east-west runway was 2,500 feet. It was a grass runway and the uh, north-south was about uh, 1,300 feet, and that was constructed back in 1943. And then in 1967, the county uh, took it over and bought it, and they paved the runway to its present uh, length of 3,000 feet, and initially it was 50 feet wide, but they uh, subsequently expanded that to 75 feet, and that's what it is today. The north-south grass runway is no longer there. They took it out sometime before 1968, so all you have is a paved runway. With the exception of they've done some kind of improvements to it, it's basically stayed as it was then in '68. It's 3,000 feet long, 75 feet wide. The current FBO, um, that's kind of relatively new. It was built in the 90s, the old one burned down. We'll talk about the FBO in a bit. Uh, let's see this rounding uh, area. Um, the name of Front Royal—it's kind of a weird name. Um, a couple different theories of where where they got the name Front Royal. One is that uh, the town there, which is about four miles away on the Shenandoah, um, it used to, there used to be a, a royal oak there, royal royal oak. Sorry, that uh, they used to do uh, military maneuvers there, and maybe um, you know they said Front Royal or something. I, I don't know. Or maybe uh, the French called it Front Royal because it was where the mountains started and where the, uh, the British uh, crown started, so Front Royal. Um, not clear, anyway. It's, uh, the town itself is, uh, is a really, really interesting place to visit. It's got a lot of history there. It's where Stonewall Jackson had his headquarters here and his, his drive up the Shenandoah Valley where it uh, ended when he, when he uh, captured Harpers Ferry. There's a walking tour there it's it's definitely worth a trip to see Front Royal itself it's it's fascinating it's a lot of old towns walk there it's also the jumping off place for the northern part of the Shenandoah National Park Shenandoah National Park if you you walk from the field it's, like I said it's about a four mile walk from the field in the town. you'll uh, um, pass the entrance to Shenandoah National Park when you cross the river that's the start of Skyline Drive and you know, fantastic National Park in itself, a lot of neat hiking trail there. The Appalachian Trail goes along there. In addition to the park and the town, there's also a lot of outfitters there on the, uh, the Shenandoah River itself. A lot of uh, canoeing and, and kayaking. So it's uh, pretty pretty interesting from that respect. Let's see. So for the Pyrep, it's easy to get in. There's, there's no tricks. It's, it's far enough away from Ford Valley that um, You don't really see any mountain wave at the field right there. There is mountain wave at Fort Valley, and obviously there there is. You're going to hit some mountain wave when you get to uh, Shenandoah National Park and, and the Blue Mountains for sure. And that's probably why the uh, sailplane club is located there. And pretty much any nice weekend, you'll you'll see the sailplanes operating out there. They're they're towed up to I guess I don't know 3,000 feet or so, and let go, and you know they'll spend a lot of time there. Um, you know, sailing the mountain wave on, on uh, Fort Valley in, in Shenandoah right there. The uh, sailplanes always adhere to, to right traffic, and obviously they have the right-of-way. It's really not a big deal that they get the, the plane off the runway really quickly. So generally, the, you know, powered, unpowered aircraft, uh, um, you know, live live uh, pretty copacetically there, nursing any any real issues there. Taking off to the east... There's a hill in front of you, but it's it's not really an obstacle. You can jog over a little bit to your left if you if you need to. But it's it's really not much. So it's it's a really easy uh, field to get in and out of. It's got a full taxiway and there's plenty of parking on the tarmac. The FBO is is pretty interesting. It's got it's I wouldn't call it a museum, but it's got a lot of plaques about the history of the place, and it's got um, you know some artifacts too and some glass cases. The FBO is is definitely not a place to crash. Um, it's uh, locked up at night, you know, 5 or 6 p.m. They've got uh, nice snacks. They've got like, uh, you know, honor can, you know, coffee can, and put a buck or so in for coffee, drinks, snacks, and that sort of thing. Not really a crash place, so it's, uh, it's a great place to, to go. Like I said, it's easy in and easy out to get fuel. The fuel's low. And if you have some transport, if you don't, well, I don't know, a lot of people probably wouldn't want to walk. Eight mile round trip in and out to the town. I've done it before, but um, it's uh, uh, most people will probably get an Uber. You have to get an Uber or a Lyft. Also, the Enterprise rental car is in town. There they operate Monday through Friday. They don't operate on the weekend. So basically, it's a great place for a visit if you know you just plan on you know maybe taking a bicycle with you if your bicycle fits in your plane. You can bike in it down. It's an easy four mile bike, or um, you know just get an Uber or a Lyft or. You know, if you have the whole day, you just walk in there four miles. only takes maybe a little over an hour. So it's a nice walk. That's about it for the uh, the pyrep and the history. And uh, now I'd like to introduce uh, Mr. Michael Miller. He is an air ambulance pilot. I landed there and saw that his office was open and walked in and found him on duty there. And he gave me some very interesting information. Uh, um, you know, details that I never knew about, about the ins and outs of a flying air ambulance he's stationed out of uh, Front Royal. Yeah, so we're recording, and I'm here with, uh, uh Michael, do you go by Mike or Michael? Uh, Michael. M- Michael Miller, and you are a life pilot uh, based out
1: of uh, Front Royal? Yes, sir. Air, uh,
0: Air Care 4 with PHI. And, uh, so you're Air Ambulance, and you get calls, and how do you get calls? How, how do you know to go pick somebody up?
1: Uh, we get dispatched from our uh, dispatcher call center, um, uh, at the Nova Fairfax Hospital in Fairfax.
0: So somebody on scene Church, will guess. call the hospital?
1: Yeah, so, like, you'll have a, uh, like, a ground agency, you know, EMS, uh, your local EMS fire. Um, they'll call our call center, and then we'll get disp- we won't get dispatched, but we'll, we'll get notified of the potential flight that we might have.
0: Your hospital will
1: tell, tell you? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: And how, how do you know where to bring them?
1: Uh, whatever, if it's an inter-facility transfer, so like if if it is a hospital transferring like from one hospital to another, then, um, we'll know that before we even leave. Like we're, you know, we have to check weather and make sure we can get there without any issues. Um, we'll know that before we leave, but like say if it's a scene call, um, the closest appropriate facility, so we'll just look in our GPS or we'll talk to our comm center and they'll advise us, which... Uh, like, if we're needing a level one trauma center, um, you know, we can either, we know we're going to either, most likely, I should say, UVA, Fairfax, Morgantown. Um, so, depending on where, if we don't need a, cardi- um, a level one, then we may go to Winchester. So, it just depends on the needs of the patient.
0: So that far, so you can make it on one hop up to Morgan, That that's that's like 130 miles away or so, isn't it?
1: That's a little ways. That's that's the farthest we would go. Like, if we go IFR to Morgantown, then we'll have to get fuel, usually where we get the patient, pick the patient
0: up. Fuel up at Morgantown before you come back? Well,
1: like if, uh, like, there's one hospital specifically, like, in Petersburg, West Virginia, mm-hmm. um, that sometimes we've gone from there IFR to Morgantown, so they got an airport, like, right Right, W99. So, exactly. So, we'll top off with fuel as much as we can there, considering the patient weight, and then we'll leave top off with fuel before we come back, get fuel again, and then come to the base.
0: Well, also, I was wondering, it's a a balance, isn't it? So, if you stayed here topped off, that's got to limit your payload
1: then. Right now, with my crew today, with this aircraft, with the amount of fuel that we have, we can take like a 100-pound patient. So sometimes, <laughs> sometimes our, our EMS guys will meet us here. So I'll hurry screw out to the aircraft and start it up and just sit in a high hover, go do pattern work, burn off fuel until the, they arrive.
0: Sure, so, sure.
1: So th- yeah, so this is a EC one thirty five P two. So like the P two plus gives us another almost two hundred pounds payload. Okay. So you know, just every aircraft's different, but that's the thing with helicopters. It's almost always a fuel issue especially when you get into the twins because um, they burn a lot more fuel and they oh and have
0: you have a twin yeah, yeah. oh okay.
1: so um you know it's yeah it, it the heavier the bigger the aircraft the more stuff goes in the more fuel so sure sure fuel is all, all always an issue especially yeah. doing ifr stuff
0: and, and how many people on your crew you have a, a co-pilot or just nope. just you just uh, me
1: uh, one pilot one paramedic uh, one flight paramedic one flight nurse
0: so three people on, three on people your crew then yeah. and then if you if you embarked someone you would embark another person or, or you, your crew would take care of that, that patient
1: so like we't we only transfer or we only carry one patient at a time right? okay so sometimes if it's a pediatric we'll take the uh, parent along up front depending on you know the stability of the patient and obviously if you know if the if if their kid if the patient's not doing very well or you know it's not a stable patient, yeah. then sometimes the pa- the the parent um, will get left behind um, or the patient may be okay, but if the mom is hysterical, then you know sorry yeah. go <laughs> so you know a lot of, a lot of factors, so we only take one patient and sometimes um, a uh, what's the word I'm not a guardian, a uh, parent or whoever's in uh, Somebody parent. in company exactly. Sure, exactly. sure,
0: sure. And uh, I was telling you, I had a buddy who, who flew Life Flight up in Russ Traver, and he was telling me that they never really told him the status of, no. it was kind of a thing, they don't tell you that. No. And, and that's because they don't want your decision making to
1: be swayed. Too many, in the past, too many accidents have happened because, you know, no one likes sitting here and turning a flight down when we know there's a school bus accident somewhere and all these kids need to be helped. Or, you know, we, we, we want to take the, the human factor, the human, uh, someone else's condition to affect our decision to fly. Like, can we go legally? Can we go safely? Do we know we can get them there? And, uh, you know, we may get stuck at the hospital for weather, but, you know... We have to do what's right, flying-wise, and then once we're airborne, or once we have accepted the flight, then we'll find out what it
0: is. So your nurse and paramedic, they know? No, no. Oh, they don't no. know either. So sometimes,
1: oh. like, this will be a factor where, like, you know, toward, like, this time of day, like, I, I, I most likely couldn't go to Morgan now Because you it's too much fuel? No, because I time out, I cannot exceed my 14 hours of duty day with the FAA. So, you know, uh, if, it's what, if it's a time issue, we may ask scene calls. You know, they're usually 10 minutes on the ground and we're en we're route to the hospital. But say it's a hospital transfer, you know, if it's a patient, if it's a simple patient where we can go in, essentially grab the patient, not much to do and take them, then we might, may be able to accept a flight if it's a time uh, crew duty issue. But like if it's a patient that's in the ICU on six different types of drips, Medical drips and stuff, IV drips, then it's like, okay, there's no way that I'll, I'll be able to do that and get the patient where they need to before I am violating the my regulations.
0: And you have somebody that backs you up in that case, or what would you So do? we
1: have other bases in the area. So like some, they start like an hour before, well, no one starts before us, but we'll have other bases that start like an hour later. So like if we can't do it, then we'll send another base and then they'll most likely be able to uh, complete the flight without having any time issues.
0: And you keep referring to patient transfers. So they're not, I, I get the impression they're not all landing at the uh, side of a,
1: a car wreck. No, no, no. Like today we had one down in page County and, um, ray. It was a scene call, but we met them at the hospital. They have a heliport at the hospital and we just, you know, flew them from there down to UVA. Um, but yeah, if it's a lot of scene calls, we land either at hospitals or on the roads or whatnot. But yeah, if it's not a scene call, then we've got a lot of about half. I'm going to say roughly half of our flights are, are scene calls. Otherwise, it's just hospitals transferring patients around.
0: Okay, and, yeah. and why would they choose to use a Because a helicopter, I imagine, would be fairly expensive. What's the factors go into that decision?
1: I don't know all the factors except that um, our level of care. Um, what, not my level of care. I don't know anything medically, re, re, medical related, but, um, you know, what our guys can do sometimes exceeds, uh, work. We are a critical care transport. So, um, our guys are able to do more than what like a basic ambulance might be able to do. Okay. Uh, we, we carry blood. We carry possibly different types of drugs that the ground units don't have, um, You know, if it's a speed issue, like the patient needs to get there. Say the patient had a stroke.
0: Well, I imagine it's a lot shorter, too. It's a lot faster. Straight,
1: especially like from here to UVA or like going to Morgantown. You know, it's a lot faster, much faster flight. So a lot of different variables and all. And there's always the reason, well, that there's no ambulance available.
0: Oh, really? So just a helicopter is what's available. We we
1: don't have the decision to say, no, we can't go. Well, we, we can't. We can always say no, but not because of patient. Like if we're called and we can do it legally and safely, then we go. You're going. Like we don't have the right to get there and say, sorry, you know, it doesn't need a helicopter. You know, that's not our position. We're here No, to you, 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 you haul patients. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you ever have any issues getting into SFRA? Did you ever head uh, east? No, uh, we have the wonderful, we have a, a, um, an agreement with the with the airspace with uh potomac with the faa for getting in there um letter of authorization to operate in the freeze so as long as we're medevac uh, our call center our comm center in falls falls church at the fairfax hospital they do all the coordination getting in getting at least letting them know that we're going to be coming in
0: so you don't have to worry about it you you don't have to worry about filing a flight plan or no transponder code
1: i've never filed a flight plan unless i'm doing ifr wow it's wonderful you just say medevac and we already have our squat codes all we always have our squat our same squat code in
0: it must be incredibly gratifying to do this you must be have some times when you really saved a life or something
1: yeah uh it's there's always those times where you can see that you made uh, a, a big difference like if we weren't available then they would a patient would have died yeah yeah there's always those that it's like wow I'm really glad I am here today and how did you get in did you fly in the service or how'd you get in this business um no I did not I instructed for the U.S. Army for a year and a half down at Fort Rucker but I did I was not in the military I was civilian contractor, and um I couldn't didn't really know what I wanted to do in college and uh I got up in a helicopter, and once in high school, I was like, "Well, maybe I want to do that." So, I'm all civilian background. So, instructed down in a small at a small flight school in Sevierville, Tennessee, and then uh, went to Fort Rucker, Alabama, and then have been doing medevac ever since. Hey,
0: what do you? So, you're on call. You must have a lot of downtime.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> we do lots of studying, lots of training, washing cars. Yeah, resting, exercising, but you yeah, be ready right when you get the call. Yeah, yeah we're on 12-hour shifts, not to exceed 14 hours. Thank you very much, Michael.
0: Well, that's it for this week. This has been another episode of Airfields of Dreams. Next week, stay tuned. We're going to go to Shannon Airport, which is next to Fredericksburg, and uh, we are going to talk to the owner of. Shannon Airport, Mr. Luke Curtis, and I had to say of of all the airfields so far I've done on this this uh, podcast, if you had to pick one to fly to, I would tell you right now to fly to Shannon. It it so instills a, a love of the uh, the roots of aviation that um, you'll you'll uh, you'll come away just really infused with the uh, um, you know, just with a love of general aviation. So, again, uh, I look forward to listening to you next week for uh, Shannon Airport. Uh, thank you, and this has been Airfields of Dreams.